Hello and welcome into a newer project. That is right. Inferno Intel is taking on some new things and this is one of them. Um, we're going to call it the ASU Soccer Podcast. You know, maybe later, later we'll come up with an official name, you know, a name that, you know, maybe attracts the people more. But for now, it's the ASU Soccer Podcast. And, you know, before we get into it, you know, the host is going to be Edwin Perez and Jerry Walker. But before we dive into, you know, the team, what happened and everything, we'll give a little introduction of what you're listening to and, you know, why we're doing this. So Jerry and I have been covering the team since freshman year. We've both been writers of the team. So we, we have great knowledge of the team. And, you know, we've, we've been writing articles and everything like that. But you only can cover so much when you're writing articles. And, you know, people have done videos for us where you can do packages, but that's only two to three minutes because it's new cast and then photos. So this podcast allows us to go more into depth about, you know, about the team as a whole, get, get into conversations that we have during the game. Jerry and I are very vocal when we're at the game talking about this happened, this happened. So we're allowed to have that kind of, kind of conversation here and give more in-depth in reporting, you know, profile the players a little more than just what an article would do, you know, go into personnel more, have conversations about previewing the next team, you know, a lot of you who may be listening probably are family or friends or someone who has knowledge of the soccer and some of the players, but you may not know what's the team coming up or about some of the key players, you know, that behind the scenes or, you know, the personnel. That's what something that me and Jerry will be able to do in this kind of podcast format, you know, go into more in-depth things that ha uh, has been reported on, you know. So that's kind of our aim to give you everything, you know, ASU soccer coverage-wise but in this new kind of podcasting format that's coming so big, especially during quarantine. So, uh, Jared, do you feel that's a fitting introduction to what, what we're going to do, or did I miss anything? I think that's a great introduction of what we're doing. We're kind of just here to analyze the team and talk to them about like what we see and how we see the team moving and going forward and what the games have happened in the past and just talk about ASU soccer. Exactly. And, you know, you may be asking why these two, again, I think it's fair to say we've covered the team since freshman year, so we have great knowledge of them. You know, we're still learning more. Don't don't get us wrong, and we'll you know tell you guys as we learn more. But also, we're both we're both big uh, soccer fans in ourselves. You know, we watch football from MLS to South American football to La Liga. So you know, we we do have we do like to say we are kind of experts in in, in the soccer game. So you, you're you are listening to I think to to the you know, biggest minds in this covered in the covered soccer coverage ASU. So, I mean, I think it's, it's just great and fitting for us to do this for, for you guys. So, um, you know, let's start off, you know, they, it's been what, 464 days since their last game. It's been a while. They finally got to flip a face you tip Thursday night at a Sun Devil football stadium. They got a, they got a big victory three to one over UTEP. What were your biggest takeaways in that game, Jerry? I mean, before we start, like playing at the ASU football stadium, I know we just got a brand, they just got a brand new soccer stadium, but I can't imagine how much, how cool it would have been to be playing out there on the big field under the lights. Oh, yeah. I mean, just you're used to that, you know, smaller stadium. Again, no, it's not a bad stadium, but you're used to that small stadium. And then you go to a football stadium, all the stands and everything, the big lights, a Thursday night. It's kind of like a, you know, the big stage. And that was their first game back. So I think that was just fun for them to do. But yeah, for the first going back to your question, for the first game in what 454 days or something like that, it was they played really well. And considering that last time we saw them, it was a rough, a winless year in the Pac-12. So I think they got off to a great start. 
Nicole Douglas stepped up right on the right foot, two goals in her first game. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you put it perfectly. I mean, it's 450 or more, you know, 450 plus days since they last played. It wasn't absolutely sharp. And I don't think that's something me and, and Jerry expected when we went to go see them. You know, they're used to training and playing each other and playing each other versus playing another team is worlds apart. So you had that aspect of it. I mean, the ability to play that they did. I mean, it was just completely something that they they were anxious to play because, like Jerry said, they haven't won a game in Pac-12. And you had the aspect of not being able to play. Some of them had international duties. So the chemistry wasn't 100%. And it was kind of that aspect of trying to figure out things. And like you said, Nicole Douglas was big. But for me, I think it was all about the newcomers. You know, with people like Marlene Shimmer leaving, Lorado Sargent graduating, it was about who was going to be in that lineup. And we saw uh, newer faces uh, to this program, like Lucy Johnson and Bill Dom Kessler. But then we also saw people who have been in the program that haven't started, like Olivia Duwin and Jessica Hale. So I think that was the biggest kind of storyline for me in this game. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, the new players have all helped out so much. We even saw Amanda Green got her first start on Thursday. So that was a first for her in the program and that was good to see as well exactly you know it was it was it was that kind of big you know things that kind of outlined the huge game and yes they were 100 sharp there was times you know where me and jerry saw that you know the wings could have been affected more if utep you know were able to pass the ball you know maybe they would have been more dangerous and things like that but i mean it was just the chemistry wise they're figuring that out because i mean as a defensive line you know, they're moving well, you know, around, you know, they're kind of orchestrating their defense, but, you know, at times they, they need to cover uh, the wing better, but that's also recognizing where people are going to be at the right time. And I think they're figuring that aspects out of, of the game. So, um, and Amanda Green, you know, it was her first start and, you know, and how many years she's been in this program. So, uh, yes, it wasn't the 100% best performance, but it's also something that you got to get used to with your defensive line, you know, communication and how and if you're going to come out, you know, uh, be, you have to be fully ready to go out and communicate with your defense that you're doing that. Oh, yeah, totally. And I think looking into the second game with Cascapera getting the start, that was one of the big differences I noticed was she was just so much more vocal with her backs. And they all kind of seemed that they were used to that because Cascapera was in goal last season. And she was vocal then. The defender defenders got used to that. And when Amanda was in there, there was a couple sketchy times that they were almost running into each other. Just weren't as confident in the back. Yeah, it seemed like that. And it was not to the fault of defense. I think the defense played well because I mean they controlled UTEP's aerial balls because you can see it was just trying them trying to send aerial balls to get attack and catch them. And yes, there were some lapses and mistakes that led to you know those little chances like you mentioned that Amanda Green to come out and it was a little shaky at times because you know they're used to cascapera's communication the man in green who's kind of more of a silent worker who kind of does what she does but she might not communicate as much as cascapera so i think people like Carlier and dars were kind of more used to that communication so they they weren't 100 there but you kind of mentioned it we'll go on to the next game i think the next game was more of a dominating performance four to zero i mean nicole douglas went from having a brace to a hat trick in the next game so what, what are your takeaways of the game in that one? I mean, like you said there, Nicole Douglas, she's just off to a great start. Five goals in two games. The whole attack just has looked transformed this season from last year. Even in non-conference play last year, they did really well. But it just seems like there's more of that attacking threat and there's more pace up the wings. And last year, it seemed more that they were 
going up the middle of the field. Now it's out the wings, getting crosses in, causing much more trouble for the defense. Exactly. I think something that, you know, we both talked about a lot when we're at the games is how much the wings are important. Gemma Perfield, we can look at the back uh, in, in the in previous years. You can look at Casey Martinez. I think uh, Lorado Sargent kind of did that a little bit. The importance of having those wings and, um, you know, using them effectively and players like Lucy Johnson, Bill Dunn, uh, Talia, I think, who was huge. Um, in the in that wing play, new win, you know, running that wing, Olive Jones, who ran the other wing in attack. I mean, just how much they depended on that, and I think it's because it's the shift of the attack. You know, last year we saw more of the two two man show up there with Nicole Douglas and Marlene Shimmer, the two strikers that can you know kind of control it through the middle. But this year, I think the main focus is those wings because they. I feel that Coach Winkworth sees that the team can attack though that aspect of the game and be successful which we see has been successful in the first two games absolutely and you alluded it to it there like six you named five or six players who are all th- threats down the wing last year it was not one-dimensional but it seemed pretty one-dimensional with just marlene and nicole running the show now there's much more opportunity this year and i think exactly there there's aspects of the game yes Mar- you know nicole douglas and marlene were very talented strikers and they they do their game very well, but then there's things that all Jones brings that, you know, both of them don't bring. Olivia Nguyen with the pace, she brings something that I don't think uh, Nicole Douglas can. And it's not to the fault of Nicole Douglas, but it's just that their different skills, I think, are boating well. And I think this is more, has if so far in these two games, I think we're seeing a very complete team, especially in that second game where I, I, I think they just looked well, like great chemistry. They fit well. They played well together, which I think was the, the main aspect in that 4-0 win. Oh, definitely. And I mean, they in the first game, they gave up one goal, but it was a late goal. So it was pretty well played out through that whole first match also. But just a little bit of adjustments here and there lead to the 4-0 shutout yes, or on Sunday. And you talked about it there, and something that you brought up during the game that I think is worth talking about is the collapse late. And Coach Winkler talked about it with the media as well after the game last night, where but uh, yesterday, where after the like the last five minutes, it seemed like the team kind of lapsed and the other team got attacked. And in the first game, you know, late same same situation. Are you worried about that aspect heading into the uh, future games? I think that is something to possibly be concerned about. I know they had a very, or was it yesterday? New Mexico State had a very good opportunity that Casca Perra made an outstanding save on, but like, you just can't, the level will, ASU will be playing once they get into that Pac-12 play, the threats of the other strikers are gonna be far too good to collapse at the end when you just need to hold on to like a one or two goal lead at the very end. You can't be giving up these easy opportunities. You know, you put it perfectly. I, I, you know, some some of those Pac-12 teams are some of the most complete and most talented teams. So they're gonna take advantage of your mistakes. And so if you're you're allowing those late minutes where they you're allowing them to dominate, that's gonna be an issue because that means you know you're not gonna be able to hold a lead late, and you're gonna be less confident. You're gonna have to play more defensive. And let's say it's a you know you're you're tied. You're not going to be able to go on that front foot again and attack as well as you you do. And you're not going to be able to play that possessive wing balls that you know we're talking about. So I think that that would be a, a huge issue moving forward. And I mean ASU to talk about it. You have to be that team that kind of you know takes advantage of the other team's mistake because you know with Nicole Douglas in that first game, I think a big aspect of it was a lot of that UTEP 
uh, defensive line had mistakes where they gave the ball up and things like that, where, you know, Nicole Douglas was able to take advantage, you know, uh, she caught the goalie out of her line and was able to uh, ship her. So things like that, I think are going to be very huge for the team moving forward. Yeah. And like you said, taking advantage of defensive mistakes, Nicole Douglas's second goal in that UTEP game was a turnover by one of the center backs of UTEP, the Vildon just took down past, found Nicole wide open in the middle and just slotted it home. It was just pushing up, causing a defensive mistake and taking advantage of it. No, exactly. It's, it's going to be those little things that make all the difference from going from a team that, you know, does very well in the conference, but to also continue that impacts well play. So I think that's something that they got to learn right now. So kind of, you know, we talked about both those games. The first game we saw more of a three four three formation lineup. Something that's not typical of Graham Winkworth's style of play. He typically plays the four back, but he went three first game. It's probably something he saw from UTEP. And then the next game he played a more traditional 4-3-3. So what do you, what do you see uh, moving forward that they'll play and which system was more effective in the first two games? Oh, I feel that moving forward. So the, the first two games, I think the 3-4-3 three, three actually works really well against UTEP. And I like the way it worked. But I think moving forward against the tougher Pac-12 teams, I think we'll ha- end up playing four, four or four, three, three, because we need those extra two wing backs. But I think that might be where there might be a slight issue. Is in these first two games, the two, the both the right and left backs have been getting up very much, going far up the high up the field and not getting caught out yet. But the pace and just the skill of the players on Stanford or USC, UCLA, all these big name powerhouse schools they might catch ASU out a little bit. So we may have to stay back a little bit more, more defensive, but the three up front still gives you that attacking presence. And all the three midfielders are all great at distributing as well. And I think what you said right there is very important. I think it's tracking back because a lot of those times what we saw is, you know, those wings, uh, you know, they're very important in the attack that they go forward. But when you have that, you have to have someone drop back in those positions because those counter counterattacks can catch you and you don't want Darth and Carlier to uh, have to defend three players. And, you know, doing that in Pac-12, you know, could be very effective. But if you have effective switches like Olive Jones, we saw her, you know, the last game where she had to play that defensive role back for maybe four minutes because uh, she switched off with, I believe, Lucy Johnson. So that I think that communication and uh, being able to see when, when, when that switch happens, that you have to stick to that new role very well and, you know, fit, fit there, you know? Oh yeah, totally. Like that, she was filling in right in those spaces that Lucy was taking as she moved up the field and she was causing trouble from those crossing areas. Exactly. And I think that the three back is not something we're going to see moving forward too much. I think it depends on a lot of the team and who they're facing, but from what I saw the four, three, three, uh, yes, the three, four, three was effective, but I think the four, three, three is going to be more effective moving forward. It seems like that's the way the team, uh, is used to playing and, it, and they're more comfortable playing because I think in out of the two matches, the more dominant was that 4-3-3 uh, side who, you know, could have gotten more goals, to be honest. It seemed like they were very comfortable in that defensive line and that Cascopera uh, safe, but I think they should have added more. Yeah, it could have easily been six or seven mil possibly, but I yeah, I mean, it was just nothing to complain about at all. <laughs> Exactly, for nothing with, you know, your your main attacker, the one that you want uh, to have, uh, be hot right now, Nicole Douglas, she had the hat trick. So I think that is absolutely huge. But, I mean, we talked about many players. We've mentioned a lot of names. 
And in those two matches, which which one player impressed you the most? I think for me, apart from Nicole Douglas, because, I mean, she clearly has been the best player of the team and is most likely going to be the best player moving forward throughout the season. But for me, it was Lucy Johnson. A freshman just came in this year. She's caused a whole load of trouble up and down the left wing. She's getting crosses in. Her corner kicks have shown, helped a lot. Her ability to get those balls into the center has shown trouble. And we, ASU scored yes yesterday, I believe, off a corner. So, yeah, I would say she's been the best – or my – or the players impressed me the most so far. I think – one aspect that we want to see this year was set pieces. Who's going to take set pieces and who's going to be important that? And yeah, Lucy Johnson that was, is that person. Yeah, that was a huge question after Marlene left was just who was going to fill in those positions because she was so strong from the free kick position. And it seems like they've worked on it a lot. You know, before I get into my player, I think you, your topic is very uh, important to talk about because, I mean, those short corners, the way they approach that, and you have Carlieri taking the far ones from quite a far back. And, you know, they could have gotten some goals from those set pieces. So I think set pieces might be a huge thing for AC moving forward. Oh, yeah. Um, something to keep an eye out. So like, who who is your player that you have been impressed by through these first two matches? I mean, it's hard because, like you said, you know, uh, Nicole Douglas is going to get the fair shout. I'm not going to say her, but, I mean, she's clearly been the most impressive player throughout. I mean, five goals in two games. I think that's, that's that speaks volumes of the player that she is. So I'm not going to do her, but again, she deserves a fair shout. Um, Coach Winkler talked about Kiki Stewart and what she meant for the team. That's not my player, but I think she deserves someone. Uh, and, you know, Eva Van Dersen, great play. Uh, don't get me wrong. And I think she uh, we haven't mentioned her, but the way that she's been uh, key in that midfield and kind of been that facilitator both back and forward, I think is huge. But for me, um, uh, Olivia Nguyen is the player that impressed me the most because uh, here comes a player who – you know, did get appearances in the last few years, but, you know, hasn't been a starter, hasn't been a prominent role. But this year she finally got that prominent. She she got that starting spot and that wing forward, and she's been a difference maker. Now, she's not going to show up on the stat line all the time, you know, she, but she's that player that makes that difference in the attack with their pace. Because I think something that they really need to utilize on the wings is pace, and that's what she gives you. She, she makes a difference. She makes runs that I don't think other people can make. She tracks back to the ball pressures that defense to force errors, force corners, and things like that. That's what Nguyen offers you on that wing that I don't think uh, ASU necessarily had uh, too much of in the first two years. So Olivia Nguyen, who, you know, who grinded her way to that uh, spot, and I think she deserves the starting spot moving forward for her play so far and that pace on the wing. Oh, yeah, rightfully so. She's, she, I think, two assists now, and she scored a goal against UTEP. Her and Doug, her and Douglas up top, alongside either Olive Jones, it seems to be, or Vildan. The three, the the front three has caused so many troubles so far, and just that pace that you alluded to, it's making ASU be able to use the width of the field much more than they have in the past season. Bingo! I think I think that front three, you know, I think like you said, it could be Vildan, could be Olive. They might be uh, changing more, but I think all three of them have such different skill sets that work together that has allowed Nicole Douglas to be successful. I mean, she has five, five goals in two games. It's for a reason because her trio up front is working for her and, you know, Nguyen is, you know, getting the assist. So it's working. So, I mean, those, those aspects, each of them are, you know, shining right now and they got to keep doing, doing that moving forward. I mean, we talked about a lot about the good, but there's still some adjustments needed, Jerry. So 
after you saw those two games, it's it's very hard to critique, you know, when you're when you win by a goal difference uh, for the first, uh, second game and two. So I mean, plus six goal difference, two wins, and it and you know on the stat sheet it looks dominant. But what adjustments are needed of the team moving forward? Oh, so we I mean we mentioned earlier that the collapse at the end. I think and then Coach Winkworth said in yesterday's interview they need to play a complete ninety minutes. So I think that would be probably my biggest area they need. They need to come out a little stronger because it seems to be not not a slow start at the beginning, but it takes a little 20, 25 minutes for them to get, for the Sun Devils to get flowing, get into the groove of the game, which understandably so, but maybe come out a little quicker defensively. Still a little shaky in the back, but that'll come with just getting used to playing with each other. And it's a very different back four we have this year than was in the past i think you put it there i think that defensive line you know you got to get used to each other's play style you know when you're going to go forward and things like that so yes it's been shaky but i think carly and dars has, has been a rock back there i mean i think both of them deserve a shot for what they've done but i think it's figuring out who that back is and you know being strong you know fundamentally because there's times where they do those little mistakes where right now they can get away with it you know maybe maybe but when they face the uscs and stanford's uh, in the Pac-12, those those little mistakes are going to lead to goals. So I think it's more being that, and also goalkeeper position, Cascapera. I think it was just her her first start. I mean, they haven't been really tested back there. So I, I think it, a lot of it is again, it's not an adjustment, but more of an interesting note that you know there's not been a lot of uh, tests, so we don't know necessarily how you know Green or Cascapera truly is. But I think figuring out that position, I think Cascapera showed herself yesterday. Uh, she was more communicative and she uh, she controlled that defensive line. She came up with a huge shade to keep the shutout. But just, you know, figuring that defensive line and keeper and getting them used to it, but also those wings. Because there was time in the UTEP games where we said one switch and they, they could have wide open position and they can go on the run. So I yeah. think that aspect, yeah, if you want to talk about that. Yeah, I was going to say that's why I think like, we've talked about formations. I think that's probably why four in the back will end up being more helpful because at least from our viewpoint on Thursday's game against UTEP, like you've been saying, the defense looks like it shifted over and the three in the back leave the entire right side of the field or left side if you're the attacking team wide open. Just if you could switch the ball, there's acres in front of you to run. Exactly. But I think they also, I got to give credit to Coach Winkworth and he put in Talia, who is a newcomer too. And when she went in that Thursday game, she made all the difference in the wing and they kind of secured that. Oh, so yeah. I think it's figuring out those subs and getting them at the right time to secure those wing spots. Absolutely. Um, I think another aspect for me, um, you know, you may disagree or disagree, but there's times when ASU has a lot of space. You know, they, they're given a lot of space to run and everything. They're looking to pass right away. I think something that they need to work on is, you know, taking advantage of the space that the defense has given you, make those runs and make the defense collapse. And when you do that, then there's going to be people like Nicole Douglas who might be open toward the center or someone like Nguyen on the right wing. You switch that ball to her with the defense collapsing on you, then you, you have a better attack. So I think it's more of taking advantage of what the defense is giving you because I think there's times where, I mean, even yesterday, Eva Van Dersen, uh, she had a run and, um, you know, she, she was looking for the pass. She was looking for the pass. And, you know, she she slowly moved forward, and, and you could hear Coach Winkler say, go, take advantage of space, keep running with it. I think that aspect uh, needs to improve as we move forward. Yeah, totally an unselfish team 
just always looking past first, but in those situations where you have grass in front of you, maybe carry it up a bit. And we saw that with some of the goals. And I know Nicole Douglas mentioned it in her press conference yesterday, that she slows the play up in the middle and lets the wingers make runs towards the goal and then just finds them in the open space, causing the defense to, because they're causing the defense to spread out a bit. Exactly. I mean, I think that was a perfect point to wrap that up is that Nicole Douglas at times would they'll send her the ball forward and she's able to get that hold. And, you know, like you said, let the wingers prosper. And I think that's something that other people, even in midfield need to do to let their, their wings prosper and get open too. Cause I think, you know, if the defense starts collapsing on you, you're going to get the one-on-one versus new win. And we talked about her pace and what a problem that's going to be for defense. So if you have one-on-one, I, I like to think you as a team like that matchup more than anything. So just take advantage of that and let them prosper. And I think that'd be huge, but you know, to, you know, final, the final talking point of this podcast, um, you know, it's been a great first project, but the final one is we're looking ahead GCU and back-to-back games on Thursday, you're on the road. And then Sunday you have a home game versus GCU. You're facing a team and two legs back-to-back and you're facing a former player, Marlene Shimmer that we've already mentioned. What type of challenges do you think this matchup will give ASU? Oh, I mean, it's always difficult to play the same team twice in a row. And the, what's the, what's the saying? It's even harder to beat the same team twice in the season. Playing them back-to-back is going to – I think this is a very good chance to learn some things from the team. Just go into that first game on the road. GCU will likely have fans, and I hear that's a very tough environment, very supportive crowd there. So that might be a little shocking then see what we need, what ASU needs to change into going into the second game. If not, everything goes right. That first game. I think you, you mentioned it there, um, but the hostile, it, it may be a hostile environment. We're not going to say it's, you know, threatening or anything, but you're going to have an environment where you're going to actually, you know, get yeah, they're a very supportive food. crowd. Exactly. They're, they're, they're known in the Valley for being a very supportive crowd. So you're going to, you're not to get used to that away atmosphere. It's going to be your first matchup for them. So how much of your hands do you want to show if you're, you're Coach Winkworth? Do you you play a lot of your key players right then? But then they may figure you out. And by your second matchup, they 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 know they know you, they read you, and they make those adjustments. And then, you know, they, they may take advantage of that second leg. So I think it's it's very hard when in those kind of two-legged matches. I know it's not two-legged, it's two separate matches. But in those two-legged matches where um, – you know, you, you can do all well, and let's say they win on Thursday, they feel good, but you still need to make those adjustments heading into the next game because you, 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 can gain, you can gain confidence after winning the first one. But if you get too confident, GC will catch you and make those adjustments. And if you lose that first one, you have to have that mentality as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, another key storyline is just the fact that it's Marlene Shimmer, ASU player the last two years, transferred to GCU will be her first time in action against the Sun Devils. So that'll be a really interesting matchup to see. Exactly. And it's not like it's someone that's, you know, non-talented, anything like that. I mean, Coach Winker said it himself that it's someone who can reach the highest of levels of pro because of the player that she is, you know, with the right focus and right mentality, she has the skills for it. So, I mean, if, you, if you know, Coach Winker sees that skills and the team knows that because Marlene Chimmer is, is capable of amazing goals. We've seen it last year with the free kicks and sometimes the dramatic winners. I mean, she she's capable of, of that. So if you know that as a team, I think your defensive line and your goalkeeper is going to be challenged with someone like Marlene, uh, you know, who knows you so well as well. Yeah, I think it's going to be a 
fun two games to watch. So, you know, to wrap, to wrap up this first podcast, what do you think is going to be the key? You know, what's going to be the deciding factor for GCU or ASU in winning, uh, in winning the first matchup at least? The first one, I think, come if we can, if uh, whoever, whichever team comes out stronger and quicker to start, I think is a much has a better chance of running away with the game and putting their setting the tone, setting the pace, controlling the tempo of play. But ASU's dominated possession the last two matches. They've forced the other teams to play their style. You can do that against GCU again. I think I don't see why it can't be another four-one, four-nil game. Exactly, and uh, I agree with you. I think. For me, it's going to be the goalkeeper play. I think with UTEP, I mean, the goalkeeper kind of was frozen at times. It allowed for easy goals. New Mexico had, a, 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 I believe, a better goalkeeper, but at times a little shaky as well. And our the goalkeepers of ASU hasn't been tested as well of Cascapera with one huge shave, but not much after that. Most of them were right to her hands. And Amanda Green, the same thing as well. So I think if we have a Cascapera or Amanda Green, depending on who's starting, who you know can demand that line and you know, be be a dominant force back there and, you know, do those saves that Cascapera did. And I think that's going to make make or break the game. And the same that can be said about GCU goalkeepers. They're going to, they're gonna, you know, come with a Nicole Douglas who has five goals in two games. Again, we like to reiterate the fact that just shows how uh, how good she has been in the first two games. She's going to, that goal, uh, GCU goalkeeper is going to have to have a great game and challenge uh, ACU to find unconventional ways to get that goal because it seemed like it was too easy at times versus New, versus New Mexico. Yeah, and I mean, we had nine, ASU had 19 shots against, with only four being on target, but still 19 shots against UTEP and then 14 shots against New Mexico State yesterday. So the attacking presence is there. It could potentially be a long day for that GCU goalkeeper. Exactly. And, you know, that's going to wrap up the first edition of the ASU Soccer Podcast from host Jerry Walker, myself, Edwin Perez. Thanks for listening in. You know, expect this. You know, on a weekly basis where we, you know, after game days, we'll talk about the team, you know, we'll go into profiles and everything like that. But thank you again for tuning in and I hope you, I hope you enjoy it.